I have got to thank Banfield the Pet Hospital for making transcripts of this podcast possible. Guys, in an effort to increase inclusivity and uh, accessibility in our profession to get people the information and, and to make sure everyone is included, Banfield has stepped up and made this uh, tr- made transcripts possible. You can find them at drandywork.com. Thank you to them. This is something I wouldn't be able to do without their help. And now let's get into this episode. Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are diving into the mailbag, and we've got a great letter from a medical director who says, what do I do when the whole team says, I've never been shown how to do that? And we're not talking about super complicated processes or protocols in the practice. We're talking about like the basic things, how to do the laundry, how to sweep the floor, things like that. It's a it's a real solid question and one that Andy and I have a lot of fun diving into answering. So let's get into this, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie. You can do it. Put your back into it, Goss. <laughs> Oh, I really like that one. How's it going, Andy Rourke? It's good. It is. Uh, it is good. Things are good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was kind of heading into the back part of summer here. I can see people starting to think about taking kids back to school and, yes. uh, you know, some normalcy returning. I feel like we're in the last waves of people going on vacation. I'm going on vacation uh, with my wife. Uh, pseudo vacation next week. Oh, we're going to go do some hiking while the kids are off at their last sleepaway camp. camps and nice. stuff like that. Well, one of them's going to to their grandmother's house and and grandparents' house, and the other one is uh, at sleepaway camp. And I was like, "This is our shot," and so we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Um, I like it. So yeah, it's gonna be good. But yeah, how about you? Uh, good. It's um, I have. Uh, insane children who are so excited for school to start again and i'm like what is wrong with you it's not even august like, <laughs> that's great though <laughs> but they love they love their school and they love uh they love their friends and their their teachers and uh so they're super excited to get back so uh we've already started thinking in that direction and i'm like when am i gonna cram going back to school shopping into the schedule and all of the things. So it is definitely, um, but we are in the middle of beautiful summer weather here in Western Washington. Like these are the weeks of the year that we all live for. And mm-hmm. I am like soaking up every, every bit of the sun. It is, it is wonderful. That is so good. I, it is yeah. super hot here. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I was walking the dog this morning and uh, some of the neighbors were out and I was talking to them and they were working in their yards, both of them. They all kind of came together in the street and we were talking there for a while and <laughs> They were talking about the deer have been coming up and eating their hostess. And I said, well, you know. <laughs> I have a solution for this. I have not seen the deer in my yard in months. And I told them about chasing the deer away with the cowbell that I got from Mississippi State's College of Vet Medicine. And uh, they uh, did, they they did not seem it? sold on the idea. They and I realized, I realized, yeah, no, well, let me just say, I realized that my solution might not work for everybody. It might be that my solution, which has worked like a charm for me, it might be that my solution worked just fine for me because maybe I don't have to convince the deer to leave. I just have to convince them that my neighbor's yards are, except, you know, I don't have to make an a yard the deer can't eat from. I just have to make them less sure about my yard than my neighbor's yard. And then I'm golden, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. when the neighbor's garden is well. I'm like, aha. <laughs> now they've become somebody else's problem. Exactly right. right. I, I, okay. I did not have to. I did not have to. I didn't have to figure. I just have to make it. It's kind of like when a bear chases you. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the people who are with you. Um, and that's that's the same same thing with the deer. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah. That's why I take you camping with me, Goss. <laughs> Because I just laugh and make enough noise. Because you would, you would, I was like, there's a bear, and you would hee 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 hee. And I would, yeah, my, um, I have longer legs than you do. And so I think that I would, 
you are my primary bear deterrent because my yeah. legs are longer. I mean, than yours. I don't, I don't mind. Yeah, that is true. And you, you walk way faster than me. I, I, <laughs> but I don't, I don't mind uh, the wild animals as our backyard can attest. Like I was walking through the backyard uh, this week, in fact, and I was like, oh look, there's coyote poop and deer poop and bear poop and. <laughs> Come on, hang out in my yard. Yeah. So you can send your deer over to my house. It's fine. Yeah. They're oh. uh, they're partying in the in the backyard. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Oh man, we have got a great episode this week. I'm excited about this one. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be kind of fun. Yeah. Uh I can't wait to see where your head is at. So we got a letter in the mailbag uh from a a colleague of ours who is a medical director at a practice and they said, "Look, I I have a team that has almost completely turned over." about eight months ago so less than a year in it was all all good reasons and they really i feel like should be hitting their stride like they've been working together long enough now i feel like this is the time where we really should kind of take off but we seem to be repeatedly hitting speed bumps where there are members of the team who are saying i've never been shown how to do that i you know nobody told me that kind of attitude about things that this medical director said are so basic that they have to have seen it before right like they've all been in veterinary medicine for at least eight months how could they not have seen this before and so they were saying that when the hospital leaders, whether it's the practice manager, the medical director or one of their uh, floor leaders, a technician team leader or front desk team leader says, hey, why are you guys saying that you haven't been shown this before? The team seems to be giving the feedback that they are the leadership team is being mean or that they are getting bullied about things that they're doing wrong. And so the medical director is asking, hey, how do I hold people accountable in a safe space and still hold them accountable and like correct the deficiencies because like can't they shouldn't they have figured this out by now yeah this one spoke to me uh it spoke to me for a couple of reasons I'll, I'll get into uh, yeah i i really <laughs> i really felt this um <laughs> let me start off by saying that this is wildly frustrating for me mm -hmm. like this is my personality type and so i feel this in my bones when they're <laughs> like we have all these people and and i asked them i was like quick do this thing and they're like i don't know how to do that and it reminds me of when my kids were little and I would look down at my watch and realize that we were going to be terribly late. And I would say to them, put your shoes on. And they would say, I don't know how. And I'd think, like, what? What do you mean you don't know how? I don't know how. And again, I don't mean it to mock the people who don't know how, but I just, that's how I feel myself when I'm going, guys, let's go. And they're like, we don't know how to do that thing. Mm -hmm. And sure. I, yeah, I, let me tell you. So, so anyway, let's just get into Headspace on, yep. on this. Okay. I like it. So the first thing on Headspace is let me tell you why I hate this so much. It's because <laughs> I want to get things done. I am a busy guy doing busy things, lots of people to see, lots of pets to fix. The fact that you don't know where we keep lint rollers is slowing me down. <laughs> and I have a fundamental knee-jerk reaction to this. I, I like, laugh because that's that's the perfect that's the perfect example. <laughs> Example. I'm like, I'm like you can't can... go in the you can't go in the room like that, and they look like Chewbacca. Uh, and I'm like, you can't go in the room like that. And they're like, I don't know where the lint rollers are. And I'm like, that's the ah. perfect example. Uh huh. Uh huh. I get it. So yeah, uh, and so it it kills me. And then it happens again and again because yes. if they don't know where the lint rollers are, they also don't know where other things are. Or if they don't know how to do a thing, they also don't know how to do another thing. Sure. Uh, and this coming from the guy who doesn't know how to put people on hold. For the first year that I worked in a practice, I would just <laughs> would just set the phone down because no one showed me how to use the phone. Uh, I just showed up and they were like, you know how a phone works. And I was like, of course I do. And then I hung up on like the first six people that I tried to put on hold. And so then I would just set the receiver down and be like, <laughs> I would yell to the front, hey, front desk, pick this phone call up. And so I throw stones from glass houses. I mean, like when when I get mad at the staff for this because I am just as guilty as they are. Uh -huh. All right, so that that drives me nuts. Then the other thing is I hear my own voice in my own head saying the thing that I say all the time, which is if you're surprised by a thing again and again, at some point <laughs> it's not a surprise anymore. It's your business yes. model, which is yes. a favorite saying of mine. Which I hate it when I say it to myself, like, like <laughs> haughty Andy will be in his own mind going, well, well if, if, 
if you're surprised by this again, I'm like, shut up, Andy. Um, and I, it, I hate it because that's also the thing, right? So when the whole team is like, we don't know how to do this. And it's not one person. It's all of the people around you. And they're all not knowing how to do different things. And I, at some point, I can't be mad at them because having untrained people is my business model. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, God damn it, it's me. <laughs> it's it's always, this is my problem and it's my fault. And I hate when I realize that it's my fault, but it's totally my fault. And then the last thing that I have, this is an emotional journey, I know. Uh, the last part of this emotional roller okay, coaster. I'm, I'm here for the roller coaster oh, yeah. today. The last part of the roller coaster is the feeling of complete overwhelm. When you are like, oh, crap, I have to teach a large number of people how to do everything. And they get mad when I try to teach them all the basics because eight of them say, how dare you teach us this? Uh And two of them don't say anything because they didn't know. Yes. And they needed to hear it. But I have to hear about how dare you make us sit through a class on how to use the telephone. What idiot wouldn't know this? And it's just, it, but in all seriousness, it is overwhelming. And so all it of is. that comes around to the reason that you and I and our team is doing the Get Shit Done shorthanded conference uh, in October. And and we're doing it virtually. And in all seriousness, walk with me here. The reason I wanted to do this conference, Get mm-hmm. Shit Done shorthanded, is because that feeling of overwhelm when you're like, Nobody knows how to do all the things, and I don't know how to train a group of people to do everything. And we are so busy and we are so frantic. The idea of starting over with here's how you put someone on hold is soul crushing. Mm -hmm. And it just makes you feel like you are drowning. And honestly, it makes me want to just pack my things up and go home. Like, I'm just like, I just like when you look at it and you're like, holy crap. We have not done training on any of this stuff and the amount of work it's going to take to get everyone on board and all at the same levels where they need to be and to fill in all of these holes in everybody's knowledge is just, it's, it's, it's Mount Everest. It is so demoralizing to look at. And I have felt that many times in my career. I think a lot of people are feeling that overwhelmed demoralization about a lot of things in their business yes. right now. Sure. And so this, all joking aside, when I looked at this thing in the mailbag, I go, I know how that person feels. And I have 100% been there. And it feels like it is an insurmountable obstacle to get out of this and to get everybody on the same page. And so anyway, that is the emotional journey of the first thing is being frustrated with the people. And the second thing is realizing that if it's happening across the board with a lot of different people, it's not them. It They have been set up to fail or we have holes in our business uh, platform and our structure and our models and our training. And the last thing is then to let the fact that you have this, what feels like a completely overwhelming problem to deal with. You have that sitting on top of the full workload you have right now, and you need everyone to go 30% faster than they're going right now. And you have now recognized that you need to go back over and start over with the basics. And it is soul breaking. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, that's why I get excited about this this topic. I, I, I love to talk about this. I think this is really important. We have a whole conference that is aimed at people who, whether you're an owner or a manager or uh, a head tech or whatever, if you're feeling that overwhelm, if things like this just feel super uh, daunting to you, the Get Shit Done shorthanded virtual conference is coming up in October. It is a three day, I think it's spread across mm-hmm. three days mm-hmm. uh, and it is virtual. So it's like 250 bucks to register, something like that. Uh, it's super affordable. There's no travel, no nothing. But um, but anyway, that's that's the type of stuff that we're doing. But that's why I, I really wanted to wade into that specific topic. It's because I know so many of us are feeling this overwhelm and I go, nope, we can, we had, we had honestly called it, um, we had played with the idea of calling it get shit done when you're overwhelmed. Like that was the other title and that we that we worked with. And so anyway, that's, that's the, that's the subject matter that we're putting a whole conference aimed at because I just think it's so prevalent. Yeah. I think it's about talking about, talking about solutions, right. Which we want to do on the podcast. And at the same time, the most common feedback that we get about, (laughs) about the podcast, um, is 
it made me realize that I'm not the only one. Yeah. Right. And it, that's that's why that that is a huge um, part of you and I's individual wise for why we do what we do with Uncharted, which yeah. is that it's about connecting with your peers and recognizing like you are not alone and your problems and your clinics are unique and they are different than everybody else's to a degree. And at the same time, like the underlying things are are the same. And so like you, I am I am looking forward to being able to to talk about some of this uh, when we get to GSD. And when I saw this episode, I had a lot of the same thoughts as, as you because um, I I'm, I laughed through <laughs> through your whole roller coaster because I see it and I recognize it. And it is it is frustrating. It is soul crushing, like you said. And I'll tell you, like for me, that where the headspace has to start is take you got to take a deep breath <laughs> because it is frustrating as hell. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And we know that when we get frustrated, we tend to reach most of us for the flaming raging sword of justice. Yeah. Right. And we just want to strike down everybody in our path. Be like, people get out of my way. Yeah. I've got work to do. I got no time for this crap. Um, and that that's not the right answer. You gotta no. take a deep breath and we gotta we gotta get centered. And the thing that stuck out to me in the the email uh here was that uh our, our medical director friend said that, you know, people are saying, I've never been shown that for things that are so basic, they must have seen it before. And I'm gonna tell you something. I'm gonna <laughs> tell you guys a story and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some real true honesty. I will tell you. I consider myself a pretty okay manager and I've done a lot of things wrong and I've done a lot of things right in my career. And I will also tell you, I will 100% cop to the fact that I had great training protocols and processes and levels and all of the things that you're supposed to have. And I guarantee you that I had multiple members on my team who did not actually receive the exact same training. It's just a fact. Like even if you have all of those systems and structures and protocols and processes, it's different every time you go through it. And so do you actually teach people the same thing every time? I would say that most of us don't, right? Because the situation changes, the day changes, the patient in front of you changes. And so the goal for a lot of us should be shifting our training to doing things over and over repeatedly so that it's not, uh, I showed you this one time so that you even out those bumps along the way. Right. right. And we're going to talk about that when we get into things to try, but I'm going to tell you guys the story, which is um, laundry is actually not simple. Yeah. That's a great one. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you. Um, so I, you know, I, am my, by my last practice, I came in one morning and uh, some of the members of my team said, Hey, uh, the laundry room is flooded. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? And <laughs> they said, the laundry room is flooded. So I put on, you know, <laughs> a person of all of all trades hat and I go into the laundry room and I roll up my slacks and I dig into why is laundry room flooded. And I'm like, okay, so the washer's totally unbalanced and it, you know, started started flooding. And okay, we've we've made this, we've made this mistake. So I called over the team members that were there that day who had been working on the laundry and I said, Hey, you know, this happened. There was a really big blanket because we had had a, a large patient euthanasia the, mm-hmm. the day before. And they said we, you know, it was at the end of the day, so we didn't stick it in last night. So went in first thing this morning and it must have been too heavy, so it was off balance. Okay, great. Problem solved, cleaned it up, no problem. The next day, I'm like halfway through my afternoon and I get an emergency page and they're like, we need you downstairs right now. I run downstairs, the laundry room is flooded again. I'm like, what, what, what happened? Tell me what <laughs> happened, guys. Uh, and so, you know, they're like, I don't know. It just, water started appearing. I'm taking part, I'm like, okay, it's flooded in here again and I don't understand. Like it is a pretty big load. So, okay, we talked about this yesterday. Maybe we need to maybe we need to have a repeat conversation because oh look, um you know, Caitlin is here today and she wasn't here yesterday. So like let's have the conversation again and let's make sure everybody knows and oh, today I'm going to post a message on Slack. Hey, by the way, if you weren't here, this thing happened. So like everybody's on the same page. This is you got to check and make sure that it's evenly distributed. I'm not even kidding you. Every single day that week. <laughs> Wow. Laundry room flooded. Wow. And I was like, what in the actual hell is going on here? Yeah. And so I get to the end of the week and I'm like, I don't understand. So actually, uh, it, I the last day, the washing machine isn't even on. The only thing running is the dryer. And the laundry room is flooded again. I'm like, what in the hell are this is happening? So as it turns out. How did you guys flood the room with the dryer? That is actually that's actually a thing that yeah. I didn't know was a thing because right, yeah. when you when you over 
load the washer and then you take the sopping wet stuff that was in the washer and you put it in the dryer. The dryer actually also has an overflow valve so that when it drains too much water at one time, uh, it has an overflow and it can actually flood. That is a thing that I learned at almost 40 years old. Yeah, I was today (laughs) years old when I learned that. Exactly. Right. Um, And (laughs) and I thought, okay, I thought, you know, all these thoughts are going through my head and I'm thinking I have a team full of all of these people who they live on their own. Most of them have partners or spouses. Lots of them have kids. They're all in their 20s and 30s. Like, I didn't think that laundry was so hard. I didn't think this was a skill that I was going to have to teach. And yet I spent... Uh, at this point, once we figured it out and got the whole thing solved, it's like two, almost two weeks into this process. I'm like, oh, wow. OK, so it turns out laundry is not actually that simple. And we we literally after that week, I was raging, man. I was like, I'm going to going to murder all of you, all of you chicks. Like I'm literally in the treatment room, bright red, like ready to throw down with somebody because I'm like, I, you guys, I cannot with this. Come on. The reality is laundry is not simple. And we had to take this step back and say, have I actually ever shown them what doing laundry in a veterinary hospital looks like? What it sounds like? What does it smell like when it's done and it's actually clean versus when it's not clean? And I started, so I started asking them. And as it turns out, all of them had had varying different degrees of introduction to our washing machine, our system, things that they should check for that are different in our hospital that maybe weren't the case in their last hospital or they've never worked in a hospital before. So, right. And so when I stepped back from the anger and the frustration, what I was able to recognize is, OK, before I go pointing my finger in the treatment room at all of them and I'm like, I'm going to kill all of you. I have to look at the fingers that are pointing back at, at me and at my team because what I recognized in that moment was, oh, okay, so there actually is some ownership here on my part because I can't just assume that they must have seen it before because I did that was the assumption I made. I thought these are these are bright, intelligent people uh, at the time, a hospital full of women. So all bright, intelligent women who live on their own, who who do their own laundry, who have been doing their laundry for years, who have children who they're doing their laundry for. I could think that they could you know, figure out how to do laundry. Actually, that doesn't absolve me as the leader of doing my part to teach them how it should be done in my hospital and with our equipment. And and so it was a huge light bulb moment for me. <laughs> and so I, I share that for two reasons. One is that, look, it happens to all of us, right? There is always going to be that moment for all of us, no matter how tenured we are in veterinary medicine or as a leader, where we have to look at ourselves and say, oh, OK, like I actually do have some responsibility in this, number one. And number two, the laundry isn't always that simple, yeah. right? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I'll use an analogy that spoke to me years and years ago when I came across it. I was reading a book on the legendary college basketball coach, John Wooden. Mm-hmm. And so he coached at UCLA. And this, I mean, a Hall of Fame, just amazing. Legend. I read this book on him. It was talking about he's working with college basketball players mm-hmm. at, at the premier school in the country for college basketball sure. players. And the first thing that John Wooden would do on the first day when new players came onto his team was he would teach them how to put on their socks Uh and they would all sit down together and they would go through the anatomy of the sock and putting on the sock. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. This is a a hundred percent a true story. And and people would ask him about it. And I think, I think it was probably mostly for show to kind of say, you don't know anything. You guys don't know anything. You're here to learn. And I don't care who you were in high school. This is, we're starting over. Sure. But they asked him about it and he would say, I don't know these kids and I don't know what they know. And I'm assuming nothing. And so we start with how to put on your socks and shoes the right way. And he would do that. And, sure. and I've never forgotten that because it's such an extreme example. But in another way, it also makes a point of, hey, we have our way that we do it here at UCLA. And I just always thought that that was really, really interesting. Yeah. I, I think you're exactly right on on how to do laundry is we make a lot of assumptions about what people know and what they don't. And everything right. is different. And, you know, it's funny. I see uh, a lot of times just in headspace. And I'll say this is another reason that this exact problem bothers me so much, because there is a spectrum in what our expectations are. And it comes a lot from who you are as a person. And on one end of the spectrum is I want people to jump in, take initiative, figure it out, 
get things done. And that is 100% where I live. I live on that side of the spectrum. On the other side of the spectrum is there's a plan and a protocol and everybody should be trained and we should all know what we're doing and how we do it and how we move forward and you need to do it the blank animal hospital way. And that's not bad. It's just, they're just different. You can't have every, don't touch anything until you're trained and every jump in and figure it out and get right. it done. And, and again, <laughs> everything's a spectrum. I am far on the first side of that spectrum, which is everybody jump and figure it out. And so when uh, the natural progression of living on that side is ultimately you have a lot of holes. Like sure. at some point you're going to realize everybody has figured out different ways to do it. Yes. And there's not a lot of uniformity and it works great when you're a startup. It works yes. great when you have nine employees and you hire good people and you lead with a good positive culture and the clients generally love it because they have no idea about the inconsistencies that are happening there. Right. It doesn't scale. And I think a lot of what we're seeing right here in this exact episode is yep. these people started out small. They probably started out with a good culture and good people and good leadership and probably a good mission and purpose. And everybody jumped in, they figured it out and they worked hard and they did things. And now we've had this sort of turnover and the practice has probably grown. But we are now at this place where the systems are broken down and we are getting big enough that people doing things different ways is becoming obvious because they're not able to communicate across this larger organization well. And so I, that's that's where I tend to see these things a lot. I know that this, this person said they had a lot of turnover. I think that creates it too. But generally, I see it not with turnover. I see it with growth. I see it when practices hit 20 employees. And and now we have a problem. That that's That's where this comes to me. But anyway, I'm just being honest about the fact that I hate this problem with a burning passion because it's one of my own weaknesses because I am such a uh, mission-driven person and uh, let's go. I, I do great at empowering individuals to do what they're great at. I do much less well at setting systems to get people on the same page. I still maintain that there's a spectrum there and you can go too far in the other direction. Stephanie Goss, <laughs> stop laughing at me. Stephanie Goss, who has Stephanie, what's it's, in your handbook, Goss? As exactly, we call her. it is extremely painful at times. As speaking, speaking from real life, as our company grows and as we learn to scale, uh, for, poor Andy. When I say, "Hmm, that probably should be in a handbook," <laughs> that probably so that probably so should mad. be an SOP because <laughs> he knows that there are instances where I'm right and it's give and take, right? Like yeah, there are also totally. instances where Andy's side of the spectrum makes more sense and I have to let go of that control and yeah. let go of that need for there to be organized uh, organization and, and structure because sometimes this the spectrum works because you have the fluidity there, right? And you move up and down the spectrum as needed and that's that's part of the challenge. That's part of the give and take of, of being leaders well, and so it is uh, it <laughs> to, to me. OK, to me, it is it is about ebb and flow. Right. It is. It is. I don't mean to be cheesy. It's the yin and the yang. Yeah. My experience and just how, how I run programs and initiatives are. I, I do lean far into the everybody jump in. Let's figure it out. I believe in you. I believe we have good people. I've shown you the vision. I believe that we're all in alignment about why we're doing this work and this purposeful work. Right. Um, and, and generally for me, it's that's how you start. And what I've learned is you should start that way because we don't know enough to make systems. We've all worked right. in places where people start making systems that are stupid systems right. Right. that don't yeah. work. And so it is a great way to try new things, to figure out what works, to throw spaghetti against the wall, to, you know, to, yeah. to, to leverage See the skills takes. of the group. But then you have got to shift to the other side, which is now we've done this. It's time to systematize it. It's time yeah. to standardize it. It's time to get everybody on board and make sure that we all know what's going on. And so I really do think it's that 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 give and take. And so to the writers, I would say your uh, your frustration is 100 percent understood. Yes. Um, I don't want you to lose heart. Everybody goes through this, I I think, uh, unless you start off making uh, protocols, which you can if you came from a place that already had them uh, or if you're just mega organized person. Even when you do that. 
like you're every I think you were spot on when you said like everybody is going to deal with this at, at some point. Yeah. So I think I think the headspace piece really is you are not alone. Like and this is it is completely frustrating. Mm-hmm. And we see that and feel that. And so you got to start you got to start with a deep breath and, yeah. and get it together because uh, you can't attack this with frustration for sure oh you can't and and here's the other here's the here's the the sick twisted part of that is we say you can't attach it with frustration but the true stephanie is you only deal with this when you're already overwhelmed and you're stressed and you're frustrated right like here's the thing if you weren't getting your butt kicked right you wouldn't care that people didn't know things because then you would just take the time to show them and you could walk along and you could teach them as you went and you wouldn't even notice you were doing it the only reason that it hurts is because you're so busy and you don't have time to do this and so it's funny you don't have this problem if you have time to deal with it because you don't even know this problem is happening you just fix it you only have this problem when you don't have time to deal with it which means by design <laughs> if you have this problem you are stressed and frustrated which is which is really which is really hard the the last part of headspace that i want to say before we start really getting into how to get out of this hole is um it is hard to stomach this idea but it is the best salve that i have found for my own irritation which is you need to believe that sometimes you have to slow down to go fast. You just you just do, you know, you you're sprinting and people don't know things and things are breaking and there's frustration every day. And I will talk to people and I'll say, look, man, you got a choice. You can keep doing this and dealing every day with this same problem again and again and the fallout and it's not going to stop and you're going to be dragging this burden with you for the foreseeable future right or you can slow down and you can get your head straight and in three months you can make significant strides in actually putting this problem behind you but for those three months you are going to have to slow down and that might mean you're going to, uh, it, you know, you're going to have to find hours in your day to do training or you're going to have to see fewer cases personally uh-huh. or yep. you're going to have to. Yeah, you're going to you're going to have to take your head technician off the floor seeing rooms and do training. And people go, but I can't do that. And I go, right. Well, then then you're going to continue to do what you're doing. Like those right. are your two options. Yes. You, you slow down and work on the problem. And so that you can then get past it or you can continue on as you're doing being overwhelmed and working with people who are angry and frustrated themselves because they're not getting trained. What which of the two poisons would you like to swallow? Because you're getting one of them. Yep. I love it. Uh, That feels like a good place to take a quick break and then come back and talk about, Okay, so how do we actually hold them accountable? Sounds good to me. Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how, uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have a registered technician uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? <laughs> Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. All right, let's get back into this and talk about what we're actually going to do with this. Uh, have, have you got an action step you want to start with? Yeah. So so for me, it goes back to the first part of our headspace, which is taking a deep breath. Yep. And so I think you have, to, you have to take a deep breath. And then because I think the first thing that you 
you have to do is I think you have to look at your processes and your your training um, and the, the teaching piece of it with some fresh eyes. And um, you have to be able to look at it from that 30,000 mile view perspective. And you can't do that when you're frustrated. So give yourself the space, take a, take a deep breath, get the frustration under control. And then I think you have to take a look at what is your tra- what is your training process look like? Because for me, a part of it is it goes back to the email that we got, which is like, you know, there's team members who are saying I've never been shown that, but there are things that are super, super basic. They must have seen it before. So for me, it's about asking yourself the questions like, does it define, does my processes, do my processes define clearly for my team what a great job looks like, what it sounds like, what it tastes like, and it smells like in my practice in my building, right? And I think that there's two pieces to that. One is you have to define for yourself what a great job looks like. And then I think part of it is in looking at what you have in terms of your training protocols and processes already. And then the other piece of it is asking your team to tell you what they know. And that was painful for me. when I learned about the laundry, because I literally had to sit down with each member of my team and have a conversation and say, tell me how you do the laundry. And as I, as I found doing the laundry was a different process for every single member of my team. And now all of a sudden I understood why the laundry room flooded for a week straight, because I have 12 different people who are doing 12 different things. There's no consistency and they weren't all aware of all of those pieces, right? And I would not have necessarily been able to see that if I didn't take a look. I didn't tell them this is how you do the laundry. I said, tell me what you're doing. Just, I want to understand it. I want, I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to sit here. I need you to, to make me see it. I need you to make me smell it. I need you to make me taste it. What does that look like in our practice? If it is, if you have done a stellar, I'm going to give you a gold star for having done this kind of job. What does that look like? Right. And then, and then the trick is you've got to be able to find the common ground. So you know what your idea of great sounds like. And now you've gotten input from your team about what their version of great looks like so how do you bridge the gap because usually there is a gap right you're over here they're over there how do i how do i bridge these two things because it's not about reinventing the wheel it's not about writing new protocols it's not about necessarily writing new processes unless you look at this and recognize oh hey we don't actually have a process to teach people how to do the laundry or how Mm. to mop the floor or sweep the exam rooms after an exam right and you may find that you have deficiencies where you don't have protocols and processes and that would be the exception where now here's your opportunity to use the same methodology and apply it to creating a brand new protocol and say, what is a great job for this look like in this clinic? But otherwise it's about figuring out what does that look like in your head and what does it look like in the team's head and where is that common ground? Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. Let me, can I break that into some smaller pieces? Yeah. All right. So here I'm going to lay down for you the steps that I have taken okay. to, to deal with this in the past. Okay. okay. I love it, it. it happens to me all the time. And so I look around and people don't know things and there's holes in the system and people are doing things different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because they have been buoyed on by my enthusiasm uh, <laughs> and my Not speaking from personal experience. Yeah, my inspiring motivational speeches that I <laughs> that I do. Uh, Novels that you write? <laughs> exactly. I do. I will, it's by the pages and pages that I write into Slack to inspire and motivate the team. Uh, okay, they, uh, they... <laughs> We uh, heart you, Andy Rourke. <laughs> all right, so I've done all those things. And now people don't know things and we're not communicating. It's not working. All right, so I'll give you the Andy Rourke process. Uh, process number one, pick, so mourn, mourn, you have to mourn. You have to mourn the, <laughs> the reality <laughs> where people just figure it out for themselves. <laughs> And I will tell you, for me, that is the longest, hardest process is come. It's just giving up on what people should do. It's uh, it's me polishing the sword of justice and then putting it back away, being like, it doesn't matter that they should know how to do this. Who doesn't know how to answer the phone or do the laundry? I don't know. It seems like a failure of society to me, but but I'm going to I'm going to mourn the imagined reality where people just knew what to do, and uh-huh. I'm going to be like, they okay, they just don't. It's acceptance of where we are. Sure. And I, I say that in a joking but not joking way, <laughs> and and then I have to say, okay, we are going to have to slow down so that we can ultimately go fast. 
Sure. And is it is it is accepting that and saying, I am willing to make the short-term sacrifices, which are going to suck, but I am going to make those sacrifices because I believe this has to happen so that I can have the job that I want and mm-hmm. the life that I want and the business that I want. And then I am going to go and recruit a process person. <laughs> and I, I'm kidding, not key, kidding. Key, key step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a key step because I am not a process person. I don't want to make a handbook. I hate it. I don't want to do it. I don't want spreadsheets. I don't want I don't want to do any of this thing. But I look at Stephanie Goss or I look at Jamie Holmes, who is my right hand for 10 years. And I'm like, hey, Jamie, what do you think about having a handbook? And she's like, her eyes get big. And it's, it's like I looked at her and said, hey, Jamie. Do you want a puppy? Do you want you like a yacht to <laughs> full of puppies? Um, like that's the look on her face when I say, would you help me get this organized? (laughs) And so find someone whose heart flutters when you show them a spreadsheet with multicolored tabs and say, would you help me get this in order? Right. Uh And so you, I I think you need to have that person. I think it's really hard if you don't have that person. So I would, would try to find that. I married that person. That was the best move (laughs) I have made in my career. Uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, not mine. She's taken. But find yourself. <laughs> find find your yourself a partner. If you're me and you struggle with these things, find yourself a partner who uh, who loves a spreadsheet and and lock her down. Okay. Um, get that process person. Yeah. And then you're like, we're going to fix this. Okay. And that is when you look at the mountain of work ahead of you and you get overwhelmed and then you're probably going to cry again yes. and be uh-huh. like, this is too far. Okay. The next thing that people really struggle with is you cannot just tackle the fact that people in your practice have holes in their knowledge. It is too big. A uh, It's too big. It's just too big a problem. You have to figure out how to break this apart into pieces so that you're yes. not so overwhelmed. And you yep. have to forgive yourself. And also, again, you have to accept that you can't do all the things. You're going to do some of the things. You're going to get started and you're going to break this up into a chunk that you can attack and, 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 and overcome and then celebrate and feel good about. Like, you need to do that. And that's where I think so many people just... They get they get option paralysis. They get overwhelmed, and they just stop at the base of the mountain and stare at it. You can't do that. You, you've you've got to do some priority setting. And so there's a couple of different ways that you can do priority setting. So so one, um, you know, I it's funny. I, I think Stephanie uh, Stephanie kind of mentioned it there. Testing is not a bad idea, especially if there's something you know you want. So like the laundry. If you're like, hey, here's here's a quick test. Here's a laundry test. I want. I, I just want you to run through it real fast. It's not for anything. I just want to see what you know. Mm-hmm. Bang, and it's a quick way to just say, okay, we we have some holes. Uh, we have some <laughs> some problems. So you can do some testing, right? Um, what is the most common headache that you have? If there are, if you have client complaints all day every day, you, my friend, have the big have a common customer service problem. Mm-hmm. And if that is the most common headache that you have is sorting out unhappy clients who have dealt with your staff, that is the thing that I would do first. I would say we're going to work on our customer service protocols, and I would I would pull that out. What is the most severe problem that you have? Oh well, we have we had a pet die under anesthesia recently because we didn't have uh, our crash cart ready to go and everybody's really upset about it. I would say that, my friend, is your most severe problem and maybe that is where we are going to start. Pick one. And something has to go first. But what is the most common? What is the most painful? Think. Do you want to do this by department? Right. Is this a thing where you're going to say, all right, the front desk is going to work on this and the techs are going to work on this and the surgery techs are going to work on this. And then yes. you can break it apart. Not everybody has to get trained on everything, especially at the beginning, right? As right. you're developing this, maybe the front desk is going to develop the how to answer the phone protocol and the surgery techs are going to develop the anesthesia pain management protocol that we start with, right? Um, you can split it up by department. And the last thing is uh, you can split it up by focus and you can say, guys, we're going to work on customer service and then we're going to work on anesthesia and then we're going to work on our wellness plans and communicating about our wellness plans and you can break it up into focus but you cannot do all this all the things at once it's just too big for your own sanity and so you can feel like you're making progress you have got to break it out into these uh into these smaller groups and then once you've got that you're you're ready to get started, right? So once you've got your your window, your area, guys, we're going to do customer service 101, and that's what we're working on. 
or we're doing anesthesia, whatever it is, but you've got a bite-sized chunk. Then I go to the team. And this is what Stephanie was talking about before, because I don't know what they don't know. The other thing is the quickest way to screw this up, especially when you're starting with the basics, is to act like you are imposing this on them yes. and especially them as individuals. And we saw that with a writer being like, oh, they get offended when I say, I'm gonna teach you this basic thing. The way you get around that is you come to them as a group and they say, guys, this is what we want to work on and these are the objectives I want to achieve. And so what I wanna do is talk to you guys about what protocols do we need? What are the things that people do differently? And not somebody do them right and somebody do them wrong, but what do we do differently? What are the steps that we need to take to uh, check clients in, to get them into the exam room, to check them back out and to get them out the door? Um, what are the, what are the areas where you guys see pushback? Where are the areas their clients get upset? When does that happen? And I want to get them to reiterate, yes, we see this problem. Yes, we feel pain from this problem. And I need them to understand this is not about you personally, Donna. This is about the whole front desk staff coming together and us all going through the same program and getting on the same page about what we do and how we do it and recording that so that we can train other people in the future. And it's very much not about calling anybody out. It's about us coming together to figure out what we need to do to support each other and what we as a group think is the best approach and then recording that so we can train other people in the future. I, yeah, I think you're spot on. I think a lot of it has to do with this is an opportunity, actually, even though it might be born out of frustration, like this is an opportunity to develop a growth mindset in your team because the reality is there will always be change. That is a reality of life. Someone will always get married. Somebody will have a baby. Somebody will move. There will always be change in our team. If not now, five years from now, at some point, it hits every single one of us. It is unavoidable. And so we we may be static for as long as we are static as a team and we're together as a team. It's not wrong to say we are doing a great job and do we ever want to be better? Because we could still be doing a great job and still want to get better. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. And where I think a lot of us screwed this up, where I have screwed this up more than more than once, believe me, is to look at it from the perspective as as the leader of we're focusing on this because something is going wrong. If you develop a growth mindset in your team, it can be we are doing this right and we can still do better and leave room for ourselves to continue to grow as a as a group, as a team, as a hospital. And so we're going to look at it from that perspective. And so for me, this is a huge opportunity. And um, I, I think it goes back to what you're saying, which is that you take that step back and then you lean into talking about this with the team and really helping encourage them to develop that growth mindset. Because let me tell you, the difference maker here, I have failed miserably at this. And every time I have failed miserably at this has been when it has been approached, whether it's myself, a member of the leadership team or practice owner, when it has been approached from the perspective of everybody is doing the laundry wrong <laughs> and we need to fix this problem. That immediately puts everybody on the defense gets everybody into a negative headspace and makes them feel like they are doing an in, insufficient job. And the reality is I do I did have members on my team who who were doing an insufficient job. I also had members on my team who were doing a great job. And the reality was we probably were pretty balanced and somewhere in the middle because the laundry room flooded every day for a week. But before that, I had months where we didn't <laughs> flood the laundry room, right? So the reality is they were doing an okay job and we were in the middle. And so when we approach it from that perspective of how do we, how do we, how do we ultimately do better as a, as a group, not because we're doing it wrong, but because there's always opportunity for improvement. That is the, a game changer. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. I think that's a, just such a great, great point. It's so important. I completely agree. Number one thing people get wrong is they pull the team together and say, guys, we're not doing a very good job. We, you know, we are, we are sucking this up. Guys, this isn't working. We've got real problems. And everybody gets <laughs> defeated. I say, I've yeah. seen it a million times. As yeah. opposed to saying, guys, uh, you guys are working your butts off. 
I want to make sure we're all on the same page. I know how overwhelmed you are. And I really think that by getting some systems and programs in place and smoothing out what we expect from each other, um, we can go to the next level and then we can make your lives easier because I know how hard you're working and I don't want it to continue. I want to make things smoother and simpler for you. Yeah. And that is 100% how I approach these conversations, not people are doing it wrong. And some people out there who are sitting, cradling their flaming, raging sort of justice are like, but Andy, they, <laughs> they did are doing do it, it wrong. <laughs> and they should know about their failure. And the ones who did it right should know that they are superior to the ones who did it wrong. And that, I would say, continue to clean your flaming, raging sword. Uh, just keep it in your office. Um, the truth is, I don't give a crap about what happened last week. You know why? Because last week is over. It is unchangeable. It is right. chiseled in stone. It is in the books. I don't care who messed up the laundry last week because that's done. You know what I do care about? I do care about not messing up the laundry next week. <laughs> that's the only Amen. thing. Amen. Because I have control over that. I have no control uh -huh. over what happened last week. So right. no. I don't care right. who messed it up last who messed it up last week. What I do care about is I don't want to get messed up anymore. And so I'm not going to do the blame game. And yes. I see so many people who are like, we need to figure out who did this. And I'm like, no, you don't. Just doesn't matter. Fix it. Fix it. Yeah. Make it not happen again. And if no one ever knows who messed up the laundry, the world will continue to spin. And people right. are like, I I know people whose heads explode. The idea yes. of not Sherlock Holmesing this down <laughs> until like you're shining a lamp in someone's face and they right. break and confess. I'm like, no, like they're like, that's how it has to go. And I'm like, no, it doesn't, because it has no benefit to that well, over just bringing everyone together and saying, let's get on the same page and make this not happen anymore going forward. And I think the email speaks to that, right? Which yeah. was their the, mm -hmm. their question was, how do I hold them accountable in, in a safe way? Sure. But how do I correct the deficiencies? And I think that's because our human brains automatically jump to if someone doesn't take responsibility for this, then I have not held them accountable. And those two things are not mutually exclusive. You can absolutely hold the team accountable and fix the problem moving forward without uh, Sherlock Holmesing, without shining a bright spotlight on a person or persons, right? It is about, and so this is where my answer for our writer was really for this piece, especially when they're getting feedback from the team that that um, the leadership team feels mean or feels like they're being bullied about things. The transformation for me as a leader here comes when I personally chose to dig into the mean, right? Because I, mm -hmm. I, I, I that resonates with me because I have had that said to me. I have I've had people say to my face, I think that you're being mean and I don't you know, I don't like the way that you're approaching this. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to hear that. And I will tell you that on a personal level, the big change came from when I really let myself dig into that, because the reality is I want change for them. I don't want to be mean. My, I didn't wake up today and say, I want to be <laughs> mean ass bitch to my whole team, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, I didn't choose that. I don't know anybody who would. Um, I'm sure there are some people out there who just love to be mean or love to be miserable. But like most people I know, that's not the case. Like I didn't choose this, but I do want there to be change. And when I can learn how to change the vocabulary that I'm using and the body language that I'm using to convey the fact that I, I want to help make change happen, it's not about being mean. I'm not choosing to be mean. And so I need to understand what they are perceiving mm -hmm. as being mean or angry or bullying, right? Because it's a perception problem. And you and I have talked about this before. I need to figure out, is it my tone? Is it the look on my face? Do, do I got some RBF happening? <laughs> like, am I, you know, it, did my did my tone reach into angry land? Am I raising the volume of my voice? Am I, you know, is my, or my arms crossed? Is my body language? And so really for me, it's digging into that and asking, being vulnerable mm -hmm. 
and asking for some feedback from your team. And whether you do that with your leadership team, because that's where you have safety, or whether you really generally do have safety with your team as a whole, and you can say to them, hey, look, I don't want you guys to think that I mean, can you please, I'm going to close my eyes. Can you please tell me what that looks like when you feel that way? When I make you feel that way, what does that look like? And ask them to explain it to you so that you can see it. It's not about judging them. It's not about, you know, I, I hear you. I don't want to be that way. I'm not choosing that. I need you to help me to fix that behavior because I never want you to feel that way at work, right? You can only do that when you lean into vulnerability with your team and you ask them for that feedback. But when you do that, then you have an incredible opportunity to say, oh, okay, I I see now. Maybe it is your tone. Maybe it's your face. Maybe it's your body language, whatever it is. Then that creates opportunity for you to address that. And to your point, it is about talking to the team as a whole and saying, how do we how do we do better? How do we do this together? Because it's not about Becky not knowing how to do this. You know, it's not about Sherry as the new person being singled out in front of everybody because they're the only one doing it wrong and everybody else is doing it right. It is about, we always want to show up and give our best for our clients and our patients every day. So how do we collectively as a group make sure that that happens? And if we're all doing things differently, if we've all been shown how to do things differently, Maybe there's ways where I, as the leader, can help smooth that out. But I, I don't know what I don't know. And you guys don't know what you don't know. So until we like talk about it and have that conversation, um, there's a lot of room for improvement on on all sides left on the table if we don't if we don't have those conversations. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, the last thing that I want to say is about being perceived as mean and also holding people accountable. And so the two things I want to just put down here right at the very end, um, there's hold. Holding people accountable is often seen as a negative reinforcement experience. Yes. Meaning I'm going to hold people accountable, which means they're going to get in trouble if they don't do what they're supposed to do. Yes, and, they're going to get disciplined. They're going to get disciplined. And they're yep. like, why do they think I'm mean? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. Because <laughs> the only time you hold them accountable is when you write them up. Right, exactly. Maybe mm-hmm. because you have a, a whip uh, and you crack it on them when they, you know, when they, when they don't do what they're supposed to. Um the, the two things for me that I put on the table to address sort of this per- perception of being mean and then also to hold people accountable. Number one is remember to explain your why when you are asking them to do these things. And the why should mean something to them. Like if you say you're supposed to do this because that's the protocol. And I know people who are very who generally process people who are like, you're supposed to do it because that's the rule. And they're talking to me and I'm like, I don't care what the rule <laughs> is. Like, give you if, if that's the best I reason don't care. you have, well, you and I are not going to get along uh, because I don't care that that's what the rule is. You need to convince me that this is worth something. And that's just how I am. Um, and a lot of people are that way. The why, when we talk about making policies and doing this training, is not because you don't know what you're supposed to know. The why is because we want to provide great patient care and we want everyone to be on the same page and we want to make our clients happy and we want to get our staff out of here on time and we want to have people being less stressed out and we want to have people being less overwhelmed. That is why you are doing it, not because that's your job. It's in your job description. And that's and I'm not saying that that's what anyone said, but I have heard those things be said. And so when we want to motivate people and have them be held accountable, you have got to talk to them about why they're doing this thing. And you have to use a language that resonates with them. Yes. And the other part is, remember, it's a whole lot easier to positively reinforce culture than to negatively reinforce it. And so rather than thinking really hard, how do I catch people who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing? Think really hard about how do I catch people who are doing what they're supposed to be doing and reward them and thank them and praise them. And I promise you will have a lot, a lot of success and not nearly as much pushback. And when when they feel the success and they participate in this, look, the reality is you you spoke earlier, Andy, um, about you're standing at the foot of the mountain and you're just looking up and you're like, how am I going to climb this thing? The reality is there will always be a mountain. There will like 
protocols, processes, change in our practice is a constant, there will always be something that needs to be grown and developed in every single one of our practices is a never ending cycle. And as soon as you get the whole team trained, something happens and you start all over again, right? So the sooner you accept that as a leader and the sooner that you recognize that speaking their language, getting them to understand the why behind it, the sooner your job in the long run of climbing that mountain you're climbing Everest for the first time and then you're climbing it for the second time, right? The sooner you get to that place, the better off you are because then when you have a team who understands the why and who's bought in, the next time you stand at the base of the same mountain, there are people on your team who are like, oh, cool, I know how to do this. I will take this piece on because I recognize this. We did this before. I will I will lead and I will take this off of your plate. And in the long run, it doesn't, it isn't you starting over without a group at the base of a mountain. Now you've got some Sherpas who are there to climb this mountain with you who are willing to take on some of that burden. And that only happens when you really speak to them and get them to understand the why and they're willing to come along that journey with you. No, I agree. All right, my friend. Thanks for talking this through with me. Yeah, this was a fun one. Have a great week, everybody. Take care. See you, everybody. Hey, friends. Have you been over to the website lately to check out all the fun and exciting things that are coming from the Uncharted Veterinary Team? If not, you should stop right now and head over there because we have got some awesome stuff coming late summer and into the fall and winter, and I want you to be there with us. We have our Get Shit Done conference coming in the fall. That is happening in October. Before that, we've got a workshop coming in September from my dear friend, Dr. Phil Richmond. He's going to be talking about avoiding toxic teams, how to create psychological safety in our practices. We've got uh, the amazing and wonderful technician, Melissa Enchkin, who is leading a workshop in October about leveraging technicians, making practice less stressful for you, them, and your patients, and all kinds of other fantastic things you are not going to want to miss out on. So if you haven't been over there lately, head on over to unchartedvet.com. You can hit forward slash events if you want to go straight to the events page, but that will show you everything that is coming. And remember, if you're an Uncharted member, your membership gets you access to all of these workshops that we do on a regular basis for free. And if you are not currently a member, you can check out the membership information because it will save you big bucks throughout the year on accessing all of the workshops. And it scores you access to the conferences when we have them like Get Shit Done for less money. That's right. Get a discount. And who doesn't love a good discount? Thanks so much for listening, guys. We'll see you soon.